Welcome to the preaching ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler, Arizona. Our desire is that God would be magnified through the preaching of His Word, and that Christians would be challenged, strengthened, and edified in their personal walk with Christ. I invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. The song that we just sang really does tie in with what we're going to consider this morning. If you are using the Bibles there in the chairs that we have here in the auditorium, it's on page 704, the passage we will be considering in a few moments. Our theme for this year as a church is grounded in Christ in a chaotic world. And the importance of having the proper foundation. About five years ago when I was candidating as the, for the pastorate here at Tri-City Baptist Church. After a number of question-answer sessions with the church, I asked the church seven questions. I felt were foundational for us in, in being grounded so that as a church we would glorify God. Those questions are actually listed in your bulletin this morning on just across the page from where the sermon notes are. I am not planning to go through all of those, but really to kind of give us an opportunity to to reconsider those and the importance of having the right spirit as a church. And and it's important to understand that the, the church, we think of the church often as a building, but really it's a body. The the very Greek word for church means a called out assembly. So it's a group that's called out that will assemble together. And the purpose for that is that we would glorify God. And as we gather, we come that we would hear the the proclamation of the Word, and, and, and it's vital to our glorifying God and growing individually. So that's what I want us to consider this morning. Years ago, when we were living in Michigan, our children were very young. Caitlin was a baby. The boys were were, uh, very young. And my wife bought the boys a bag of sunflower seeds. Not the kind that you eat, but the kind that you use for a snack. The the kind that are sold in bulk. And and in doing so, they, they make great bird seed. I think you may have to click that again. There may be a... Yeah, okay. They, they played with them in the house for a while, and that really didn't, that, that was, they had a great time. We put a sheet down in the, the living room. Uh, they played with their trucks on these. Uh, but the problem with those bird seeds is after a while, they, they kind of get spread around. Uh, just as a public service announcement, a vacuum cleaner will not pick up bird seeds. But it will shelve those, bird, the, those sunflower seeds and shoot them across the floor. Well, after a time, they moved outside, they put them on their, uh, they played with them on the patio, Uh, they had a a plastic turtle, a green turtle that they would use, and they were able to to play with them there as well, And, and so they had a great time. But after a while, they came in, and in doing so, we, we, we noticed that birds started gathering out on the patio. They were eating the, the bird seed, the sunflower seeds that were there. And, and then they, they, we, we kind of cleared that off. And, and a few days later, I noticed that they were growing in the grass in our lawn. And I opened the turtle and found all these little sunflowers growing in the turtle as well. 
And, and, which was fine, and then, then they were growing in the cracks in the patio also. And the problem was the boys didn't want me to mow the lawn because they didn't want their plants being cut down. They didn't want them being pulled out of the cracks in the patio, and they also didn't want them taken out of the turtle. And with them being young, I found that, okay, if we plant a few of those little plants in the actual garden area we had, that satisfied. So it allowed me to cut the lawn, it, it allowed me to clean up the cracks and, and all. And, and so we, we had a great time, and they, they just enjoyed that, and they would watch them grow in the garden. Now suppose I told you that story this morning, and then concluded by saying, and those of you with ears, pay attention Let's have Pastor Jeff come and dismiss our service in prayer. What would you think at that point? You know, Pastor needs more sleep, more coffee, more something. But you know, that in his essence is what Jesus did here in Mark chapter 4. In verse 9, after he tells the parable of the sower, he says, those who have ears, listen, and then he dismissed them. And what I want us to understand this morning from this parable is that in order for the church to glorify God, we must prepare our hearts to hear the Word of God. The parable of the, the soils and the sower that we find here in Mark is actually found in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We call those the synoptic gospels because they, they recount similar events, they show a similar timeline. And, and so there's a, there's a similarity, they, there's a synopsis within those three Gospels. The, the Gospel of John has a, a, a number of points that are unique to that Gospel. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we, we have multiple witnesses to the same events which give us different perspectives. And in one way, this parable is a key to understanding the approach of the other parables. It's instructive to us in, in how we approach the Word of God. And it's, it's the parable in which the Lord, Jesus, is sowing the truth, and yet the majority of the people who heard it missed the point. I've, I've had us turn to Mark's gospel because Mark's gospel is a gospel of action and it is here that I want us to consider this, this parable this morning because it provides a vivid picture of the preaching of the gospel and the responses to it. If you have your Bibles open, follow with me as I begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read down through verse 9, though in, in our message this morning we're going to consider the, the first 20 verses of this chapter in this parable. Mark 4, beginning in verse 1. And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And, and so it's, it's almost an amphitheater. Just to give you an, a picture, he's on the Sea of Galilee, he's sitting there, and they're sitting on the hill around him. So it's, it's an amphitheater amphitheater where he's speaking and they're able to see him. That's, that's the setting that we, we find. In verse 2, then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. 
Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some of the seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's look to the Lord. Father, as we look into your word, we pray that we truly would have ears that are open to comprehend not simply words, but the meaning of your word. We pray that we would not simply be hearers, but doers of the word, and that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, that we would hear faithfully and apply practically for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In this passage, we're going to see that in order for the church to glorify God, we personally must prepare our hearts to receive the word as we hear it. There are several things I want us to consider, and I'm going to give you the the structure of the passage, though what you find in your bulletin is is really the application points that in my homiletics class and several of my students are here. uh, What I'm giving you today is not how I want you outlining. Uh, You have to know the rules before you can change them. I'm actually going to, I've given you my preaching or what we would call the, 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 homiletical outline, though I'm going to put on the slides the the hermeneutical, the structure as well. And the first thing we see in this passage is Jesus tells the parable of the sower. We see that in the first nine verses, but in verses three and nine, he says, listen, behold, the sower goes out to sow, and then he concludes with, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And the point that I want us to see from this is you should actively seek to understand the word of God. And that's what you, the, the first point that you have in your bulletins. Mark, Mark's account begins with the word listen. And it ends with pay attention. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now every parent, most teachers, know what it is to have passive listening. You know, you, you're, you're talking to your child, you're talking to your class, and their eyes are open and their minds are elsewhere. You know, wives know what this is. Most pastors do too. (laughs) It's easy for us to to give the appearance of listening without actually tuning in. And Jesus is telling them, pay attention. That you need to understand the king's teaching, but in order to do so, you have to receive the king. Mark's gospel begins in chapter 1 with Mark with Jesus proclaiming the offer of the kingdom. He says the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel, Mark 1:15. He came offering the kingdom, but the Jews were looking for the kingdom but they ended up rejecting their king. And so the rest of chapter 1 into chapter 2, chapter 3, you find Jesus healing the sick, he's casting out demons, he heals a leper, he heals a paralyzed man, Uh, there's a man that they bring to him, they can't get him into the house, so they lower him through the roof, and and Jesus heals him, And, and you find this in multiple places, you find these miracles. So this attracts a crowd. 
The multitude is coming to Jesus and, and, and in part because of what he is doing. They come to hear him but also to benefit from his miracles. And so the interest of the multitudes increases, but as it does, the opposition of the religious leaders also increases. When the gospel goes forth, opposition increases as well. And, and the religious leaders saw that the, what Jesus was doing was supernatural. So if it's a supernatural power, there's only two options available. Either it's of God or it's of Satan. And they're brought to the point of decision and they have to make a choice. And they accuse Jesus of doing what he does in satanic power. That's chapter 3, verse 22. And that is actually what is then described and explained as the unpardonable sin. The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit that's, that's mentioned in chapter 3, verses 28 and 29. That they know that this is supernatural and rather than attributing it to God, they don't want to accept Jesus as from God, so they say he's doing this in the power of Satan, Beelzebub. They attributed to the work of the Spirit to the power of Satan. And that is what the unpardonable sin is here. And that is the context then for the parables. Because Jesus now begins speaking to them in parables. And so the second thing we see in, in this passage is Jesus reveals the purpose of the parables. That's verses 10 through 12. And we see that, in, and look at verse 10 with me. But when he was alone, those with him, with the 12, asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. These are hard verses. But what, the, what we see, the point of this is, truth is hidden from those who refuse to receive it. I gave you the context because they had an option. They were told the truth and they rejected it. And the theme of hearing is repeated over and over in this passage and in this chapter. The call to listen may be a call to, of invitation to inquire, but it's certainly a call to tune in. It's a statement of expectation that, that they needed to respond to Christ. But unfortunately, they wanted the kingdom. These religious leaders wanted the kingdom, but they rejected the king. John 1, verse 11 tells us he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They were not denied the opportunity. They consistently closed their minds and rejected his message. And folks, this is important for us because, because God is a king. He's not a beggar. He offers us the good news, but people who perpetually harden their hearts have no guarantee that that offer will continue. And that's what we see here. The truth is hidden from those who refuse to receive it. And, and actually, that is part of God's mercy because they will be held accountable for what they know. And the fact that it's being hidden is giving them less culpability over, even though there is plenty of culpability already. But Christ's teaching was authoritative. His miracles were indisputable, and they rejected. So in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 12, we find Jesus quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, 
It's a passage that is actually quoted five times in the New Testament and always in connection with Israel rejecting their king. The people liked the stories. They loved the miracles. They wanted the free food. But they weren't curious enough to the teaching to dig below the surface. What about us? Do we actively seek to understand God's word and, and not just what the words say, but how it applies to us today and how we need to change and grow? Do we come to church with an anticipation that, that truly as we sang, say, open mine eyes that I will see wondrous things out of your law and that I will apply it so I change and that I'll be more like Christ? Folks, resisting the truth, not loving the truth, it brings its own condemnation. In fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 or chapter 2, verse 10, a passage I believe speaks of the tribulation period and, and when the Antichrist will be revealed and the unrighteous will follow him and as a result they will perish. But it says in verse 10 of 2 Thessalonians 2, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Because they had no love for the truth, they believe a lie. They're spiritually deceived, and they believe that lie. We have to be spiritually minded. That's one of the responsibilities, and that is the testimony of Tri-City Baptist Church. I've said many times, it is a joy to preach the truth to people who have a heart to receive it. But we can never become complacent in that. Second, 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of, of who is from God, that we might know or understand the things that have been freely given to us by God. We know that the natural person does not receive the things of the God. They're things of the spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And he can't comprehend them because it takes that spiritual mindedness. So it's not just enough to hear words. We have to understand the meaning and the application. The third thing that we see in this passage is Jesus explains the parable of the sower. His, his disciples come to him and say, Lord, what does this mean? What is the point of this? Look at verse 13. And he said to them, do, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? That's why this is a key one. In understanding, verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, the words, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. What we see in this passage, as, as Jesus explains it, is that your heart condition will determine your willingness to hear God's word. The sower sows the seed. The difference is not the sower or the seed, but the soil. 
And it's that heart condition, and we have four different soils that are mentioned in this passage. The first is that pathway soil. It, it, it speaks of that unresponse, unresponsive heart. It's, it's a hardened heart. We see that in verse 15. The, the narrow paths, and, and understanding in Palestine that along the edges of, of those fields, people would walk, and as they walked, that ground would get packed down. You know, we, we understand that here, that if, if people walk in the same area with the, the foot traffic and the sun baking that soil, it becomes, it becomes hard. It becomes like concrete. It, it becomes trampled down. And Luke, Luke chapter 8, speaking of this in verse 5, says it was trampled down and the birds come and devour the seed. It, it's like a hard-packed trail. Between pedestrians and pigeons, they make quick use of the seed. Every time God's word is preached, the seed is scattered. And the response that takes place depends on the soil. The devil is a master of distraction. When the, when the word is preached, Satan is not apathetic. He doesn't want that to, to take root. And so he finds ways to distract. It happens in services. It, it's interesting how often it can happen around invitations, let me encourage you, don't pack up too soon. We'll give you plenty of time, but don't be a distraction. Years ago, I was preaching at a camp in Connecticut, and it was an older building. It was a high school camp, and it was a school camp, actually, and, I, and as I'm preaching, I notice out of the corner of my eye something flying around the room. It was a bat. I do not like bats, and especially when they're flying in, in an enclosed area, and this wasn't a high roof in this room. And, and I may not be very tall, but I was higher than everybody else because they were sitting down. Do you know how distracting that is to a preacher? It's like, where is it? I'm trying to keep my mind on what I'm preaching. It's like, where is that bat? <laughs> and I could watch the, the, the students and, and figure out where it was. <laughs> Their eyes would let me know. You know, that's a little bit of a distraction. There can be those types, but there can be the internal distractions as well. The preaching of, of the word of God arouses the resistance of Satan. And unseen birds can quickly pluck that seed away from unresponsive hearts. The, the distractions, procrastination, other thoughts, things that creep in. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons we ask people to silence their phones. We don't want it to be a distraction. But we can be apathetic. Say, well, I'll do that later. Oh, I've heard that before. How do we respond? Satan's birds take away the seed of God's word from unresponsive hearts. And there's a great danger from in hardening our hearts because then it's going to be hidden from us. That was the pathway soil, the unresponsive. The second was soil, the shallow soil, the, the superficial hearer. This does not, when it, when it speaks of, of stony ground or, or rocky soil, as sometimes it's referred to, it, it's not speaking of having a lot of gravel in it. It's speaking of, of having a, a, a thin layer of dirt with hard ledge underneath, with rock underneath. In, in the Middle East, the limestone that would be under the soil would, would keep the roots from going deep. It, it'd be like that green turtle that had some sand in it, but the plastic barrier wasn't very far down. And the picture here is these people are excited to hear the word. There's, a, there's an enthusiasm. There's a mental ascent, maybe an, an emotional commitment, but there's no genuine saving faith. They like the ideas. 
They like what Jesus can give them as long as it's good. It's, it's, it's those who came for the food. But they left when the heart, sayings got hard. And Jesus didn't go to his disciples and say, we need a new marketing plan for the gospel. He actually said to them, are you also going, going to go away? Well, what was happening was a lot of the people were superficial in their hearing. They were glad when Jesus gave them what they wanted and they gave a mental agreement, but there was no saving faith. And, and when the persecution came for the sake of the gospel, when those religious leaders turned against them, they said, you know what, that's not what we signed up for. We want the benefits, but not the persecution. The Bible tells us all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And in this chaotic world, we're seeing it more and more. We see it around the globe. And we don't face it in the same way in America yet, but some do. And, and so what we see is this, this superficial hearing is not a genuine profession of faith, but we, we see that there's that superficiality. There's no fruit that, that comes from this. The third type of soil is the weedy soil or, or that of a distracted hearer. It speaks of the thorns, that in this soil there were weeds and, and the distractions of the world that, that just kind of push in. And that doesn't, it wasn't all evil. In verses 18 and 19, you, you see this. It, it begins with the, the cares of the world. You know, a lot of things that we care about are, are, are good things. You know, we care about life, family, health, our kids' education, they're, they're excelling. But do we care about that more than the proclamation of God's Word? I was talking with Dr. Jim Wigginton. He, is, he was here last week, and he's our acting CFO. He's, he does that for us. And he was here, and he, he said on Sunday morning, he said, you know, I, I usually don't have time on Sunday morning. And he, had, he had gone to get some exercise, and he, he commented on the number of people gathering in the parks with their families for sporting events. And he said, but they're not going to church. No, they're, they're concerned that their kids excel in sports, but what about the word? It's the deceitfulness, those cares of the world that crowd in. And then it goes on and says, the deceitfulness of riches. The idea here in, in verse 19, the deceitfulness of riches is, is that people think, well, the, the, the wealth, the, the financial standing is what's important. And, and if I can just get money, then I'll have security. Really? Do we really think we can trust world events? Or the idea that maybe if I get nice possessions, those will make me happy. Years ago, I, I received a phone call when I was pastoring in Maine. We had a lady that called the church, and, and we had put some door hangers on different church, on, on homes. We'd gone through neighborhoods and just telling them about our, our church. It was, uh, it was a new ch young church growing, and so we just put these door hangers. And this lady called me. She said, you know, I'm really interested in, in coming to church. I need to do that. I, I know, but, but she said, you know, and we talked. And I said, we'd love to have you. I explained different things, told her about the church times. She said, I'd really like to come, but, but I work on Sundays. I said, okay, well, you know, I, I know there are you know, health safety needs. We need people working. We have people working in hospitals, doctors, law enforcement, many other areas. And, and as we talked, it was none of that. I said, so, well, is your boss requiring you work, that you work? I mean, is this a, you know, you're going to lose your job and these are hours you have to, you know, in the rotation? She said, no, it's not that either. She just, she said, I, I get time and a half on Sundays. I said, okay. 
And I said, so it's really the money that is attracting you there. She said, yeah, I get, I get more money. And, and she knew this was a struggle and we talked through it. She actually called on, on several times, but she never came. And I thought, to me, that's a, an illustration of the deceitfulness of riches. Time and a half is worth more than gathering with God's people to hear the word. You know, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And we can protect the bottom line and lose our souls. And understanding that, that in the psalmist's mind, in Psalm 19, verse 10, he said instruction in God's word, God's judgments, is more to be desired than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. And it's sweet. Is that our heart? You know, the, these first three soils that we see show the constant enemies to the Word of God. They, they reveal the struggle with the, uh, you know, we, we see the, the weeds, the sun, and the birds. And we struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil will use his birds to take that seed. The, the, the flesh, the struggles with the cares of the world. And the sun beating down through the persecution. But there's a fourth soil, and that is the good soil. That is receptive, hearer. And that's what we find in verse 20. As Jesus says, and, and these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit. They hear, they receive, and there's a, there's a harvest. And we, we recognize that. The, this soil is distinguished from the other three because it brings forth fruit. And what is it that represents a genuine believer? True believers bear fruit. Not at the same level. Say, well, I'm not as good as that person. Well, we see different amounts here. Some 30, some 60, some 100. It, it's telling us not every believer is going to have the same fruitfulness, but there will be fruit. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't have all the same abilities. But every true Christian is gifted to serve within the local church. And, and that is one of what we saw last week when we were looking at being grounded in Christ that one of the consequences of saving faith is that we will bring forth fruit. The, the if of consequence, not of condition that we saw in, in Colossians 1.23. If you continue in this, since you're going to continue in this. Because it's the work of the power of God. Now, I, I want to take the, just the last moments of, of our time this morning and talk about, so how do we prepare our hearts? How do we prepare to receive the Word of God in just some very practical areas and, and understanding using this analogy of the soils? I want to suggest some ideas that can help us being ready to listen. The first one is cultivate the soil of your heart. You, you need to... Plan ahead to come to church. And I'll give you some practical things. You can write down what you want or what you don't want. That's fine. I don't, but understanding that it really helps us. I, I, I like when Pastor Dave puts up sometimes on, on Facebook that, that Sunday church attendance is a Saturday night decision. There's a lot of truth in that. Because we prepare the soil before the seed hits it. Farmers don't just till it as they're planting, there's, there's a preparation time. They get that soil ready. Plan ahead. You know, especially when we have kids, that's important. 
you know, finding the shoes. They're going to lose them in the morning anyway, but find the shoes, the belt, the shirt, lay things out. You know, we do that for traveling. We prepare ahead for sports, for school. We lay things out. You know, for hobbies, if you're going hunting or fishing, you get your things ready so you can get up early and be ready. You know, do, do we do that? Do we plan ahead? Do we come with an anticipation to receive the word of God, you know, that we're looking for that? Do we pray? Pray for wisdom. Pray for understanding. You know, we seek to be rested. We seek to, to have the focal point that, that how, do, how do you structure Saturday to be ready for Sunday? Say, pray for wisdom. James 1, 5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. And God gives it generously and joyfully and he, and he doesn't rebuke us and upbraid us saying, why are you asking again? I already gave you wisdom once. It's like, well, yeah, I lost it. And he says, ask. He's glad when we do. Develop the habit of listening. One of the reasons we encourage reading through the Bible is it helps you become familiar with Bible terminology and, and, the, and, and recognizing that. And as you familiarize yourself with the Bible, you're hearing the Word of God, the voice of God as He speaks through His Word. And that's one of the reasons I believe that it is so easy to preach to Tri-City Baptist Church because the soil is prepared. But we need to cultivate the soil. A second one is remove the obstacles from hearing. That, that we need to make sure the, that there aren't those rocks in the soil. And, and we do this, first of all, by confessing sin. You know, one of the, one of the things we do when we, when we do the Lord's table is it's a confession of sin in order to partake. Unplug from the world. You know, pull the weeds of the world. Don't plant them. Because if you're planting the weeds of the world, then don't be shocked when you don't get anything out of God's Word. If you plant the weeds on Saturday, don't expect a spiritual harvest on Sunday. We have to remove the obstacles. The seed is the same. James 1.21 says, Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the abundance of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. We, we need to confess sin. You need to seek reconciliation where there are personal conflicts. It's interesting because in, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, it says, if you come with your sacrifice for worship and you put your gift on the altar and you remember your brother has something against you, the Bible says, leave your gift and go reconcile. And then once that relationship is right, then come and give your offering. That's why we have to gather as a church. And that's why the unity of our body is so important. And we need to understand this is very serious because unforgiving people are unforgiven people. So, wow, that's kind of harsh. Well, look at Matthew chapter 11. Look at Matthew 11, verse 25. It says, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Is there somebody that you have something against this morning? What do you need forgiven? You need to be forgiving. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4. 
So we need that. We need that reconciliation because it's, it's part of our spiritual growth. We also need to strive to be spiritually minded. And when, we, when we've made reconciliation, when we confess sin, now we've pulled those weeds so we are in a position to be spiritually minded. And all of this is necessary to remove the obstacles for hearing. If you walk out Sunday after Sunday and say, I just didn't get anything out of that, maybe you need to see if there's some obstacles to the hearing. Because the, the seed is the same. And that we want to be receptive soil. The third thing we need to do is water the seed after it's planted. When those seeds are planted, how do we do that? Interact with the truth. One of the reasons that we, we give you an outline in the bulletin that you can interact, that you're taking notes, and, and many times when I'm listening, I'm, I'm jotting other things. I'm interacting with that. I want my mind to stay engaged because it's very easy in this day to be distracted. And good listening requires concentration. It means we're all ears. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. And if they, you think they sat there pulling on their ears saying, yeah, I think I qualify, that's not what Jesus was saying. That's the superficial hearer. It means we mentally engage and, and then we seek to apply. Because if you hear the word without actually applying it personally, over time your ground is going to get hardened. And your ability to understand and to apply will disappear. And if we can come to church week after week and nothing ever changes, we need to examine what the soil is like. Ask relevant questions. We see that the, that is actually what the disciples did. They say, what did you mean by this? You know, one of the reasons that we have our adult Bible fellowship after the morning service is to give us that time to interact. In many classes, they, they take time to interact with, with what has been preached. They're watering the soil, the, the plants, the seeds that are there. That's one of the reasons we encourage you to be part of a small group so that we, we interact together. It's not just to receive, it's to contribute. That the, the seed will be watered. And then listen with an attitude of humility. I've already quoted James 1.21, but the last half of that verse had said, receive with meekness the implanted word. That we're, we're coming saying, Lord, what, what would you have me do? I, I need encouragement, I need strength, I need to change to be like Christ. Receive with meekness the implanted word which will save your soul. You know, the, the, the point of the quote back in verse 12 from Isaiah is to show they were dull of hearing. They didn't get it. And instead of asking, how should we apply this? What is he saying? What do I need from this? They just walked away. It'd be that I've already heard all that. I know that. I've heard it before. You know, most of the things I need are not things I haven't heard before. <laughs> I need to apply what I already know. Knowing and applying are not the same thing. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge makes proud. We can have a notebook full of Bible truth and not have the heart of Christ. And then I would say, fourthly, protect the crop to reap the harvest. Guard your heart against the deceitfulness of riches and the worries of this world. Don't be attracted and distracted by the things of the world. The world passes away and the desires thereof. But he that does the will of the Father abides forever. You know, recently in our Arizona winter, 
We've had temperatures drop down. There's been freeze warnings. I took a, a screenshot the other day of, of my phone and the, the weather and the temperature here in, in Arizona and where my daughter is in Michigan, where my, our son and daughter-in-law are in South Carolina and in New England. And, and our temperature was as low as it was in Michigan. And I sent it to our kids and, and Christopher commented, yes, but the high number is the one that really matters. You know, theirs was only going up a little bit and ours was going up quite a bit. But you know, when those freeze warnings come, I, I, I see plants covered. People try to protect them. You know, you need to put a spiritual blanket over your spiritual plants when spiritual coldness starts to creep in. And the blanket is the Word of God. Guard your heart. Beware of the roots of bitterness. Hebrews 13 tells us that bitterness, when it springs up, it defiles a lot of people. And that really goes back to the unforgiving heart and the danger of that. Commit to change and grow to be like Christ. You know, when we do this, we're actually bearing fruit. Well, what does that fruit look like? Well, it's going to begin with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, willing to endure, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, and Galatians 5 tells us there's no law against those things. Against such there is no law. Is that the characteristic of your life? Would other people say, yeah, that's, that's a kind person, that's a patient person, you're a loving person, you're gentle? Well, that's part of the fruit. And when we prepare the heart, and, and understanding James 1 says that a person who hears and doesn't respond is like the person who looks in the mirror and doesn't make any adjustments. You know, we become a forgetful hearer. I remember, you know, getting dressed a couple weeks ago and I put on my shirt, it was a button-down collar and I buttoned one side and I got distracted and I'm coming downstairs and thankfully there was a mirror right there and as I looked, I thought, I buttoned one half and not the other. Thankfully, I didn't get out of the house that way. Sometimes I do. Um, but it's like, but if we look in the mirror and nothing changes, the Bible says that's like hearing the word and nothing changes. And those minor things in the physical world they are minor, but in the spiritual world, it's not. And then fifthly, I would say, anticipate a harvest of growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when these things are in place, then we're going to grow. And good listening reflects a relationship with God. And that's why I've said, it is a joy to preach to you, to Tri-City Baptist Church, because there's a desire to hear the Word. But understand, folks, listening to a sermon is not just me and God. It's, it's God shaping us together as a body. We listen together. That's why it's a called out assembly. And that's why it's important that we come together. Because we can encourage one another because we know what each other has heard. That when we've heard it together and we can encourage one another to respond and, and that aspect is really what Hebrews tells us to do to encourage one another to love and good works. Because we help one another by stirring up that godly living. Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. James 1, 25. So understanding the importance of this. And then, and then number six, realize that true believers will bear fruit. 
How are you doing in bringing forth that fruit? And not by comparing to others because it's 30-fold, 60, 100. Say, well, I'm not like that 100-fold field. No, but that may not be what God has for you. But do you see growth? Do you see change? It's really going to be determined on what you do with this book and with the seed that I've sown this morning. I've sought to give you God's word. One day there was a pastor who looked out his window from his home. He had a beautiful flower garden in his front yard and it was well known in the the community. And and as he was looking at the flowers and just enjoying the beauty, he saw a, a local botanist come walking by. And the man looked at the flowers and then he stopped and he began to focus in on one and he, he was looking at it, he pulled out a notebook, he jotted down some notes, he pulled out a, a magnifying glass so he could even look better and, and he, he spent some time and he jotted some notes and then he moved along. And as the pastor continued to, to look, he, he, he then saw a butterfly and it landed on one flower for a se- couple seconds and then it was on another and it was just, it was flitting around from flower to flower and, and he saw that and, and, and then he noticed a bee. And the bee came and and it hovered over one of the flowers and then it went down and disappeared. And he watched for several seconds and as he watched, the the bee was just, it didn't didn't appear immediately. And when it came out, it was covered with the pollen. And he thought, "What what an illustration of how we can approach Scripture. We can come to it with our magnifying glass and we want to get all the facts and we fill our notebook and and we've got a mind full of knowledge, but then we go away the same way. Or we can be like that butterfly that flits from one passage to another and, and we've never really got, or we can be like that bee that goes down deep into the word. And when we come out, we're changed because the word has impacted our life. Is the preaching of the word, the reading of the word, a duty to you, a drudgery, or is it a delight? See, in order for the church to glorify God, we, you, must prepare our hearts to receive the word as we hear it. What kind of soil has God's word found in your heart this morning? Would you examine that before God?